hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stairway to CEO podcast brought to you by Future Commerce. I'm your host, Lee Green, and it's my mission to bring you a real, honest, and unfiltered interview with top business leaders from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 34 of the Stairway to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Lee Green, and today I sat down with Julian Levine, the co-founder and CEO of Twice. Twice is an oral care brand, also co-founded by Lenny Kravitz, that donates 10% of profits to the Glow Good Foundation, which provides underserved communities with dental care, education, and supplies. On a mission to promote oral health and encourage brushing twice a day, Twice offers premium toothpaste with high-quality ingredients in two different flavors, one for morning and one for night. In this episode, Julian shares with us his journey from helping his entrepreneurial parents ship products for their first company, Go Smile, as a young 13-year-old, to playing lacrosse at Cornell University, to working as an investment banker, where he felt inspired and compelled to become an entrepreneur himself. We talk about his experience fundraising, his book recommendations, and his volunteer mission to the Bahamas in 2015, which sparked the idea for Twice. Tune in to hear all this and more. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us an awesome review. We hope you enjoy this episode. Julian, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm super excited to hear your awesome story in building twice. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Awesome. Where are you from originally? I'm from a small town called Purchase. Uh, it's in New York, about 45 minutes northeast of New York City. All right. And what was it like growing up there? Um, it was great. It was a, a nice little suburb. Um, it was uh, clean, a uh, lot of fields versus the city where I've been spending a good amount of time living. Um, sports were a big part of life. Um, it's pretty competitive. I'm sure just like it has been in LA. Um, but yeah, Westchester, a uh, beautiful place to grow up. What kind of sports did you play? Uh, I focused on lacrosse, a sport my dad played, um, and also played soccer. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you have any siblings? I do. My brother, Cody, uh, three years apart. Um, I'm the older brother. Uh, All right. And uh, we're both co-founders. So we've parlayed childhood and all of our experiences now into business. Um, yeah, him and I are as, as tight as it gets. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I've got a younger sister. I'm the oldest, too. And we're three years apart. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Nice but I don't know if we could go into business together. So you'll have to tell me about how that's going. <laughs> you know, it's, it's got its good days. It's got its bad days, but thankfully more good days than bad. Yeah. So you guys were really close. It sounds like growing up. What was that like? You know, you're the older brother here, you know, playing sports. What else? Yeah. Um, um, you know, three years apart is definitely one of those like uh, age differences where you're trying to lead and help. Um, and show them the way. 
Um, growing up, yeah, we played a lot of the same sports, had a lot of the same interests. Cody went to private school. I went to public school and that's just where things changed. How'd that happen? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I guess, uh, he, he's better at test taking than I am. Um, Damn it. So is my sister, you know, what the hell's with the youngest, you know, being better at tests and better at school. I think they're better at everything. I think <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's taking yeah. it too far. I'm just kidding. We're, we're, the, we're the guinea pigs. We're the life guinea pigs. We are. Yep. We test it out and tell them how it went. So then they get all the cliff notes, you know, they can fly to school. Yeah, we actually, um, we both went to the same college. We both went to Cornell, um, both played lacrosse together, um, overlapped for a year, which was awesome. And actually both majored in business. So we uh, cool. took similar paths, although he was more focused on marketing. I was more focused on finance and accounting. So cool. Well. What about your parents? What did they do? Uh, Doc and Stace. Um, mom and dad, uh, they've been in the dental world really my whole life. Um, mom grew up in Brooklyn. Dad grew up in Long Island. Um, my dad's been a practicing dentist and, um, actually dental product inventor and entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, he's been really, really active in the dental world. Couldn't be more proud of everything he's been able to do. Um, really has made a significant impact in the field. And my mom, um, she was running a jewelry and gift shop, a family jewelry and gift shop in Brooklyn. And then actually when I was young, joined my dad um, as, uh, as, a, as entrepreneurs. They were creating oral care products. Um, some of the few first uh, teeth whitening and really like oral care beauty products. Wow. Yeah, as a, as a husband and wife duo. Somehow they, they made it through unscathed, which is shocking. <laughs> Wow. So they were making these kind of different products um, and they were working together on it. What was the brand called? And is it still around? Yeah, uh, actually it is. Um, so the brand was called Go Smile. Um, it was like the, the whole idea was teeth whitening on the go. It was these small glass ampules that you would crush um, surrounded by paper so you didn't cut yourself. And you'd be able to apply it onto your teeth and, and whiten your teeth on the go. Um, they were the first oral care brand to launch in Sephora. Um, it was, you know, their total passion. Cody and I were like on our table downstairs, packaging product late at night, um, into their packaging. And, um, Cody was actually with my mom at this legendary, like New York institution called Henry Bendel before they started the company and helped her like nudge her to tell her to, to try to sell it in there and, and tell them about the product. Um, I helped name the company. Uh, so it's been a family affair since day one. How old were you when they were launching this company? Um, right about 13. Yeah. All right. So kind of like your preteen years, you were already learning about entrepreneurship, it sounds like. Right. I, I can't believe I didn't see the warning lights then. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a young teen, I definitely was watching... Um, two people get thrown into the entrepreneurial journey, you know, through passion. So, and so what were some of the takeaways that you took from that experience? Um, uh, my dad always talks about this idea, um, that really you, it's, it's like, um, staying with it until you succeed. You know, it's, 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 it's about, uh, having the grit and the will and the determination to succeed and, and basically, um, uh, surviving to thrive, survive until you thrive. 
Um, you know, there's so many things, ups and downs that got thrown at them, but little by little, you know, they, they built, I think built is really the key word. Um, they built this business um, into something that they were really proud of. So um, I guess I saw just how long it could take. You know, I think we, we get a, we get blindsided every day by these beautiful, amazing stories of companies selling for billions of dollars or creating so much amazing impact and not enough attention gets put on the journey. Yep. And, um, I think that was probably one of the best things uh, to see it was just the journey in its most raw, authentic form. That's what we're trying to do today. I hope you're ready. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. So you really got some great insights there from mom and dad. You know, it's interesting that you kind of took away to just stick with it. You know, in the tech world, you're constantly told fail fast, you know, <laughs> hurry up, fail, try the next one. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, I mean, my dad lives and dies by that. Um, the iterative process, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So you and your brother went to Cornell. What did you want to be when you grew up? Is that when you kind of realized you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you have other dreams? Those dreams of being an astronaut really just faded fast. Um, (laughs) When was that? When did you realize being an astronaut's maybe not going to happen? You know, when I was in college, um, I, I I was like enamored by stocks and numbers. And, you know, as a young kid, I'd went on a couple of these field trips to the New York Stock Exchange and I was like, my head was spinning. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Cornell, um, I applied to their undergraduate business school and um, focused, like I mentioned, on finance and accounting and wanted to be a banker. You know, I wanted to throw myself into uh, the throes of late nights and uh, apply my work ethic as an athlete to just learn as much as I could about you know, something I was interested in, but knew very little about, which was business. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I did. Um, was fortunate enough to move out West actually a little North of you in San Francisco and, uh, experience California, which is like moving to another country from New York. Yeah. And, um, just had a great few years there, um, experiencing business. Um, and yeah, that was, that was the start of it. So you had a few internships and you got your first job. What were they and what did you learn? Internships. Oh, man. Um, um, I worked for a hedge fund administrator uh, just doing intern work. Mm. Not a whole lot of learnings there, to be honest. Lots of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a great experience working for two firms. Uh, one was called Alvarez and Marcel which is like a restructuring and consulting group. I think now they've probably got more business arms than an octopus, um, but an amazing company. And I was actually helping them during the Lehman Brothers restructuring, which was wild. Um, and that was a cool experience, just um, soaking all of that in and helping wherever I could. Um, and from there, I, I had an internship with a... Uh, uh, an office, uh, MSD Capital, which is Michael Dell's uh, investment fund. And that was really great as well. They're more of a diversified investment fund, private equity hedge fund, uh, a lot of different elements. And there I was helping research public companies and provide financial information and opinions on things and doing a, a variety of different projects. Um, 
banking was for sure, you know, the, the first job at a school at a company called North Point Advisors in San Francisco, um, was there for three years and just loved it. Um, it was a very small team, maybe 10, 12 people. Um, we were doing a lot of deals, uh, focused on consumer. So I got to, you know, experience business through a lens that uh, was tangible, um, worked, worked to help sell and raise money for a lot of restaurant companies being in San Francisco, we got to do some, some wineries, which was really fun, really cool. Nice. Um, some consumer product companies and was just burning the midnight oil. Um, but enjoying all of the learnings, um, as I had them. And, uh, yeah, I was there for a few years and then ultimately came back to New York and, um, wanted to see what life was like on the other side of the fence at a bulge bracket bank. Um, and so I, uh, I went to bank of America, Merrill Lynch was there for about a year. Um, same thing doing investment banking focused on consumer and retail and now, uh, focused on much bigger companies and public companies. And, uh, pretty quickly I realized that culture wasn't necessarily for me. Um, I think I went from a team of 12 to a team of 60, um, in a 250,000 person company. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I jumped out of there and uh, went downtown to this amazing investment firm called Stripes Group, which focuses on consumer and tech, and uh, spent three years um, investing in these amazing companies, you know, many of which we get to live with and experience. Um, and that was all of what I did leading up to twice. So at what stage was this um, group investing? Um, a little all over the board on the consumer side. Um, if it was a series round, it was anywhere from an A to a C. Um, it was a very flexible mandate. And then we even did some, uh, almost traditional LBO private equity deals, bought a restaurant company, which I was really excited about. I helped lead that deal and source it. Um, it was a this great restaurant company and, um, yeah, on the tech side, similar thing, series A to series C really flexible. Hey guys, I want to tell you a little bit about a new report we're launching here at Future Commerce in partnership with Gladly called The New DIY. It's all about the new trend that has emerged around the passion economy and modern consumption, which begins with peer inspiration, continues with product education, and culminates into participation or an online purchase. The report covers how these trends start on social media, the importance of great customer experience across all brands, regardless of industry, and the implications this trend has on retailers. You can get the full report today over at futurecommerce.fm slash the new DIY. That's futurecommerce.fm slash the new DIY. So, you know, these jobs always sound like so interesting to me, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you get to invest in these cool companies. You get to know so much about them. What was really the day-to-day -day like? Were you just stuck in spreadsheets all day? Is that what you love doing? Or like, what was it like? No, this was really the experience that opened my eyes to the entrepreneurial journey. Um, I never went to business school, but I have to imagine it was like business school on steroids. Um, every day I was on the phone with entrepreneurs. Um, hearing about uh, their story, what went right, what went wrong, what they wish they would have done, what they're doing, where their opportunity lies, um, you know, sometimes for hours, right? Um, five, six, seven times a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. um, 
you know, I, I think you, you start hearing people's stories enough and uh, it really has the power to inspire you. So do you remember a specific story at all that was most inspiring that you're like, hmm, I think I really want to do that? You know, there's, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. Uh, maybe if there's two, one was a company that, um, uh, actually, I guess a few, <laughs> the more I think about this, the more that will come up. Um, one was a, a business called Brooklyn and, um, the founder, um, and his wife, uh, husband and wife team, Rich Fulop. Um, and, uh, I just, I loved their story, you know, um, simple premise, you know, linens and bed sheets are expensive. Who knows what brand they buy, you know, let's make them, uh, affordable and high quality. And, uh, I just, I loved how he got into the business so organically with his wife, they're such a good um, duo. They built an incredible business. Um, that was a story I really enjoyed. Um, uh, Blue Apron, which we were um, fortunate enough to invest in. Actually, the day I joined was the day we closed the investment. I think it was like a Series uh, B or a C, something like that. And uh, watching that uh, company grow um, was incredible. I was like, I couldn't believe all of the things that went into this business you know, that was like, you know, I think their quarterly updates were 200 pages long. And that was a, a real one. Um, and with this restaurant company that we ended up closing um, is I'm so proud of this company. It's called Snooze. And it was founded by these two brothers who really have such a great ethos and mentality about them, um, about responsibility and environmentalism. And uh, they make it's breakfast, brunch and lunch, uh, mostly in the Southwest and West Coast um, in Texas too. And it's just an awesome, great experience, uh, really focused on people and team. And that, that experience, that experience working with them really helped me understand the power of team. Um, and just how, uh, you know, for us as an investment firm, we, we, we place an emphasis on, on their investment in team. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of overhead. And um, I think proportional to its revenue, it was more than you'd usually see. And instead of seeing that as a weakness, we saw that as an absolute strength um, that they were really like uh, investing in uh, the long term through people. Yeah. So there are a lot of great stories. Um, they really were. Um, yeah, we could have a whole nother podcast just about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So is that when you realized, all right, I'm going to jump ship and, and get into this entrepreneurial world? Or when did you come up with the idea for twice? Yeah. Um, um, you know, I think all of those conversations kind of helped chip away a little bit, maybe. But um, truly, uh, maybe it was because I was manifesting it. Who knows? Um, but no. When my parents started their second company uh, focused on teeth whitening, which is called Glow Science, they started a nonprofit called the Glow Good Foundation. And this foundation uh, was set up to basically bring dental professionals to communities that don't have any access to care. And um, it's an amazing foundation with a very simple mission. And uh, one day, my dad is, is treating his patients. One of his patients happens to be the music icon, Lenny Kravitz. And Lenny says, uh, Doc, I, I've seen the work you've done through your nonprofit. Would you come down to the Bahamas where I live and treat my people there? They have no access to care. And uh, my dad is the type of guy who somehow fits 10 pounds in a five pound bag. And uh, next thing you know, it's Christmas time and he's offering his office 
uh, a Christmas bonus or the opportunity to fly down to the Bahamas and set up a dental clinic uh, with Lenny Kravitz. And so needless to say, at the end of 2015, we went down to the Bahamas with a team of almost 30 professionals um, from across, from all, all over New York. And um, we treated this incredible community in Gregory Town in the Luthra Bahamas uh, for dental care. And we set up, uh, like we took over an abandoned preschool and turned it into a dental clinic. And this isn't like, you know, come in for a cleaning. We're doing root canals, extractions. We have a setup making dentures. Um, educating them. And uh, it was one of those life-changing experiences um, for me on multiple levels. I mean, I never had braces. I've never been self-conscious of my smile. And all of a sudden, I had dozens of people from little kids to grandparents to everybody um, with tears in their eyes telling us, thank you so much for coming down here. You've changed our lives. We have no access to care. I've been living in, in pain for decades because of my mm. teeth, or I've been embarrassed because of my smile. People have no teeth. People have one teeth. People have two teeth. People have decay all over their mouth. And I was like, I was floored. I couldn't believe this. And um, actually, you know, when I came back to the States, I, I was just like researching, researching. And what we came to find was that um, the state of care doesn't, you know, this lack of care, lack of access to care doesn't just exist in the Bahamas. It exists everywhere, especially in the United States. And, and moreover than, than the lack of access to care is that there's just an overall neglect of oral health and of oral hygiene, you know, whether it's the beauty industry and the smile, you know, the hospital and the dentist that you can go as, as deep as you want to go with how disjointed and disconnected oral hygiene and oral health is from the rest of society. And, um, we got really passionate about wanting to do something to give back. So those missions were the inspiration to want to create a business that could improve health and hygiene, give back to this mission and cause, um, try to create a brand in oral care that made people smile and had people actually think twice and brush twice. Um, and, uh, so yeah, those missions that work, um, that collaboration, seeing that energy and what we call the power of a smile really um, inspired us to leave our jobs and start this business. That's awesome. And you just said, think twice, brush twice. Your company is called Twice. Is that your motto? Uh, it should be. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, <laughs> Cody, Cody. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I guess it is called twice because you're supposed to brush your teeth twice. Is that what? Or what's the real? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we make these deliciously flavored toothpastes um, in the healthiest, most effective formula possible for you to actually look forward to brushing your teeth. So um, currently we've got two flavors. Uh, a calming vanilla lavender mint, really nice at night, mm -hmm. whenever you want to chill. In California, that might be in the morning. Um, and then we have an invigorating winter green and peppermint flavor as well. Um, uh, definitely more awakening. And yeah, we've got a new flavor coming out soon. Um, it's cooling spearmint eucalyptus. Really, really nice. get our best flavor we've made yet. And so, yeah, the whole idea is, is really to infuse... Um, both elements of wellness and elements of experience into a product category that really has had none of it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And so what about, talk to me about fluoride. You know, I, we hear a lot about that. Is there fluoride in your toothpaste? If yes. So, why? Sons of a dentist. Absolutely. <laughs> What's with the non-fluoride fluoride situation? Like there's a lot of hate on fluoride. Why? You know, there's a lot of internet news out there. Um, well, let's see. I, I think I did like a seven minute impromptu LinkedIn video about fluoride. I'm sure I watched that. <laughs> yeah, oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> good your research. Um, fluoride. Well, I think a lot of it, uh, it started with the water supply um, because the government uh, fluoridated our water supply um, in the 40s. Um, and continues to regulate the quantity of fluoride in our water supply. And anytime you tamper with the water supply, uh, a lot of people will will question things. And um, conspiracy theories are not, you know, they'll 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 they won't be necessarily happy about it. But fluoride as an ingredient in toothpaste specifically uh, is meant to act almost like as a micro shield on your teeth. So everything that we eat and drink um, during the day acts to um, uh, uh, erode erode your, the structure of your teeth, your enamel. And so fluoride acts as a shield. Um, mm. you know, the worst thing you can get is decay and a cavity. Um, it could lead to death. It could lead to disease. Um, the more and more evidence uh, comes out, it's all about the connection of the mouth and the body. Um, there's 120 systemic diseases that are forecast in the mouth, by the mouth. So um, having a toothpaste that isn't just there to polish your teeth and make it feel bright and look bright, which we do, um, or uh, just freshen your breath, but really have a product that protects you. You know, protection of your teeth is so important, um, and it doesn't really get a lot of the advertising. You know, um, yeah, so, yeah. Fluoride uh, for us, it's a critical ingredient because it's the strongest. There are other ingredients that people uh, will claim will remineralize teeth, but truly, the the strongest is fluoride. Um, everybody has a right to choose. You know, in the end of the day, we want you to brush twice a day. Uh, remove plaque, um, strengthen your teeth, keep your mouth healthy. Um, so um, while we have a strong stance, we recognize that uh, among every, anything else, we want people to brush twice a day and, and to look forward to brushing. So uh, we may or may not come out with a product that does not have fluoride as strongly, as, as strongly opinionated on it as we are. Um, you know, just want people to brush twice and enjoy it. Nice. And so is there anything in particularly, um, you know, what else is kind of different, I guess, about the twice toothpaste yeah. compared to any other toothpaste on the shelf other than the, the giving back, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you like that. Um, that's a big part of our brand. Um, we spent 18 months on the toothpaste, 11 of it. Cody and I spent on two couches in our parents' apartment, uh, 10 feet away from each other. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wait for us to be finished formulating these, these products. Um, but the whole idea was to make a cleaner all-in-one product. Um, so cleaner is based on how it's made, um, what's not inside the toothpaste. 99% of toothpaste have this ingredient called sodium lauryl sulfate. It's a sulfate. If you see your shampoos and conditioners, they all say no sulfates. Um, so now not only is it not in your shampoo and conditioner, but it's probably in your toothpaste. I'm um, going in your mouth. It's, it's the detergent. It's the reason why toothpaste foams. Um, it can cause canker sores and dry skin. So if anybody has those irritations, that's what it's from. Hmm. So we stay away from ingredients like that. A few other types of endocrine disrupting ingredients. So wanted to make it cleaner and healthier. Um, but, uh, 
almost all natural toothpastes will stay away from ingredients like fluoride, um, potassium nitrate for sensitivity, which is the main ingredient in Sensodyne. So what we wanted to do was really take this, the ethos of natural, but infuse it with the performance of the big brands. So we made sure that all of our ingredients um, were in line with that. And you know, for Twice, uh, we're really hitting on this idea. We want to build this world around oral wellness. Um, and so in our toothpaste, we have three antioxidant vitamins, vitamin A, C, and E, which are great for your gums, great for saliva production, bacteria regulation, um, really more about the mouth um, versus the teeth. So uh, it's kind of like this science meets wellness approach. And that's what we call it toothpaste. That's awesome. And so how did you kind of test out this concept? Like, did you do any testing to prove that this would be a product that consumers really want? Like, did you do any testing? Um, we certainly did a good amount of testing with friends and family. Um, you know, as we were developing the product, talking about pain points they have with toothpaste, um, just overall thoughts, you know, from what it looks like on the cabinet to the size and quantity inside the toothpaste, the, the mouthfeel, um, the flavor, um, really just trying to understand when people brush their teeth, what are they looking for, right? Um, and what, uh, what might they be pleasantly surprised by if we were to try to improve the experience. So a lot of that, a lot of that type of um, surveying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you guys launched at the end of 2018 and you've raised a pre-seed round of 1.5 million. What was it like raising a pre-seed round? Um, well, we raised the round over, uh, over basically two and a half years. So it was in different pieces. Um, I think my advice would be to raise, uh, try to raise it all at once, you know, <laughs> raising money. Um, uh, what was it like? Um, it was, um, it was okay. Um, you know, f for us, it was sharing our passion and our philosophy and the business we're looking to create the vision that we have for this business and, um, looking to get people involved. Um, you know, building that, like that network and, and the group of people that would be best for that investment is probably the hardest part, you know, understanding like who is the right investor, uh, is, is not an easy thing to figure out. Um, especially, you know, not only just your stage, but your focus and your, your company, you know, you end up talking to a lot of people that may or may not really understand what you're trying to go after. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's a process where it, it's great. You know, it's learning, it's, it's taxing, um, but it's a learning, uh, you get some perspectives from some really smart people that can, you know, even help you evolve your business model as you're going through it. Yeah. And how did you figure out who was going to be a good fit and who wasn't? Were you asking specific questions or what did you look for? Yeah. Um, well, we certainly asked uh, people, you know, do you, do you know who would be a good fit? Who for, in our circumstance, it was investors who have invested in CPG before, um, have been maybe marketers in CPG, um, potentially uh, entrepreneurs, people who have founded other businesses, um, and just doing a lot of research to understand um, of the companies around the hoop in D2C or in CPG or wellness that we respected, who were their investors and how could we try to get in touch with them. So um, a lot of upfront research and then just not being afraid to ask people, hey, you know, do you know anybody who might be interested in taking a look at what we have to offer and what we're building? Um, 
So. And what's been the most challenging thing so far in building the business? Um, I think it's all a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Not to dissuade anybody listening. Um, it's all a challenge. Um, you know, you, you have a vision and, uh, the more clear your vision can be, um, the easier it is to manage and operate around that. But, um, for us as passion and purpose led entrepreneurs, you know, um, uh, roadblocks are inevitable, you know, challenges are inevitable. Um, you know, you're testing a hypothesis, right? It's a constant test of a hypothesis. So, um, for us, it's, it's been, um, being able to test and learn and iterate and stick with it, you know, um, being cognizant of, of your purpose and, and, you know, what you're looking to create and going to do it. But, you know, the whole thing's a challenge <laughs> unless you're a, a serial entrepreneur and, you know, you've got your team ready and you know, who you're going to for funding and, you know, your own personal playbook has been written. You know, once you get behind the seat of the car, it's a whole different ballgame. Right. You're, you're writing the playbook as you go and just hoping it works out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Did you have other ideas before twice that you were considering or was it really just you were so passionate from this one trip that you were like, you know, let's do toothpaste. That's the thing. Yeah. The, I, I truly, uh, I had no intention of being an entrepreneur. Um, truly. Um, I loved what I was doing. I loved investing in companies. I loved working for this company. Um, and this was one of those experiences where, you know, I, I think I procrastinated starting this business for like two years. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the trip was in 2015 and we didn't really start the business. And I, you know, I left my job in the middle of 2017 and we didn't start the business until late 2018. Um, so, uh, it really was just this whole idea of if I don't start this company, I'm going to be kicking myself for the rest of my life. And, you know, if there was, you know, I, I, I built a great skill set as a banker and as an investor. And I was like, look, this is almost like the third piece to the stool in terms of actually operating a business. You know, if all else fails, I'm going to go back to what I was doing before with a whole lot more of, uh, experience and awareness and knowledge. So, um, you know, I had the support of, of my fam. And, um, in many ways I felt like I was kind of carrying a torch from them and, and starting this business. And so, um, yeah, there was no other, <laughs> there was no other idea. That's interesting. So it sounds like there was quite a delay because it sounds like you liked what you were doing. Um, but then at the same time you wanted to, you knew that if you didn't give this a go that you might regret it. Um, at what point did you realize that maybe that would be like, when was that turning point? Um, you know, on our second mission, um, in 2016, we were like, uh, you know, again, it was, it truly was more of this experience, people coming up to you and sharing their stories and opening up to you and, and really like witnessing this, I this power of the smile, we call it like, really seeing how transformative dental care and the smile can be and how unifying the smile can be and how universal it was. It was just all these feels uh, that were just like, we got to do something about this. And so, yeah, we just started uh, hypothesizing and tinkering and little by little. um, And then when it became too much, you know, had to go full time. 
Um, being a founder is incredibly challenging. There's um, ups and downs every day. How do you remain persistent um, and resilient? What do you do? Do you have a routine or a mindset? Um, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it's really an insightful question. Um, because it's so important, right? Yeah. It, you're, it's an emotional roller coaster and you just, you got to stay headstrong. Um, for us, I, I, I truly think that, uh, we are blessed in that we're doing something that we love. Mm-hmm. Um, we are out of control, passionate about toothpaste and the smile and trying to grow this brand that we so truly believe exists and or deserves to exist and, and become a leader. So, um, we're definitely driven by passion. Um, as, uh, as it relates to the day to day, um, you know, having my brother as a co-founder is, is definitely great in that regard. You know, we talk about everything. Um, and so, you know, any lack of communication or uh, lack of clarity, you know, we talk through, um, we make sure to make time for each other and our family, um, and our relationships and friendships, um, as hard as that is, uh, you know, especially starting out, I mean, it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we try to stay active, biking, hit the gym, go for a run. Um, super important to, to stay active. It's, it's also one of the best places to brainstorm and come up with ideas. Um, so, you know, we try to definitely find balance and um, know when to turn off and when to uh, keep rocking. So, um, yeah, a variety of things. It's very much a professional and personal journey of growth. Um, how have you grown, grown both personally and professionally? Um, it's, it's, it's been amazing, uh, to say the least. You know, I think uh, it takes a lot to do a business like this, especially like with a lean team with a very lean budget. Um, it, it, it forces you to do things that make you uncomfortable, um, whether it's communication styles or, um, uh, really like abiding by processes and systems. And, um, you know, we just brought on our first employee a few weeks ago. So, you know, now you're bringing somebody into the family, right? So, um, it's, it's, it's changed us in all of the best possible ways. You know, I think entrepreneurship is the best journey you can go on, um, because of that, you know, it, 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 it either, uh, it, it's either good or bad, right? You either can't take it and you get out or you stick with it and you can adapt and evolve and become a leader and a communicator and uh, a planner and, you know, set goals and achieve them. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for sure for, um, what we've been able to accomplish and how we've been able to grow, um, as leaders, as co-founders, um, as employers, Um, and I know there's a whole lot more ahead of us. I know we'll have to recap in a few years and see if you still, uh, see if you still feel that way. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) I don't know what I got myself into, whatever shit I said on that podcast, (laughs) delete. (laughs) Throw it out the window. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's my pessimist side coming out. Um, (laughs) so have you had to overcome any kind of limiting beliefs? whether it's about yourself and your own capabilities and running a company, did you ever think that, I don't know if I can pull this off or do you think maybe the experience of seeing your parents do it twice that you were like, yeah, I can do it. No problem. Right. Um, I think being naive is definitely your friend, you know, when you're starting out, um, 
I think it, it's super important. Uh, <laughs> it's super important. No, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's good. Um, um, remind, tell me the question again. <laughs> I just, I don't know I what it is anymore. Because I agree with you. I got carried away with being naive. And um, I agree with you. I'm like, yes, I agree. I miss being naive. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I think, uh, look, success is a very relative measure, right? And so, mm -hmm. especially us as founders, uh, our circles are are vast, and we know a lot of other founders and folks have had varying levels of success. And so, um, I think you can have doubts at every step of the way. I, I'd be so surprised if you talk to a founder and they were like, "Yeah, no, I've I've never had a doubt about this." <laughs> you know, um, you know, you're 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 putting your your life, your reputation, you know, your being behind a brand. Um, and so, you know, you, you want it to be, um, the best in whatever that means, right. Uh, mm -hmm. it's a relative term. Um, but you know, I, I think that's really like why the journey is so special, right? Because if you stick with it, you conquer all of those challenges and issues and they just become a small moment in time and you're able to look back and see how far you've come. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's always, there's always doubt, you know, again, unless you're like a, a serial entrepreneur doing what you've done before again in a new, in a, just a semi different way. There's so much unknown every time, you know, um, for me, I thought like, um, the longer I spent, you know, working, I'd be able to gather more skills, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Just start. Yeah. Just, just start. Yep. Because whatever you think, you know, you realize all of the learning comes um, after you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is so true. So many people think that they have to be so prepared before they start a company. And I always right. joke on the show that I'm like the least prepared entrepreneur in the planet who started a company. So if I can do it, anyone can, right. um, which is like pretty close to the truth. Um, go. but as far as books, you know, a lot of first time founders too, they read a lot of different books that have been helpful. Have any of them been helpful for you? Um, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, a great book, a great book that I always recommend. Have you ever read the energy bus short book? No, but I like short books. John Gordon, uh, legend, like motivational speaker extraordinaire. And a lot of his books are around team building and managing people. And, uh, his book, The Energy Bus, is all about you know building your bus with the right people. No energy vampires allowed. Um, really good messages there that aren't as much like um, business build. Uh, I guess it is business building, but more on on the team and, and personal side um, versus any like you know shoe dog or or per or Rich Russell Branson's book, Richard Branson's book. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Love, the, love those types of books that kind of prepare you on, on more of the soft skills as well. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Sounds good. Yeah. Some people take books a little too serious, you know, <laughs> they're like, have you read blah, blah, blah. And they're like, try to operate their life by a book. And it's like, you know what, actually, I think there's a, something to be said for like following your intuition because they're just trying to sell a book actually, you know, <laughs> like if you look at books, books are a commodity that the author's trying to sell. Right. Yeah. And so it doesn't really cover all the bases all the time and it can be interpreted in all the wrong ways. So yes. it gets a little, it can be worrisome. One of, one of the best books, um, on the more, well, I don't, wouldn't want John's books are amazing, but, uh, Simon Sinek, uh, the infinite game. 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's got to be up there. Um, any aspiring founders or founders who haven't read that, you got to pick that one up. Um, yeah. All, I mean, there's, there's, there's too many to count, you know, yeah. um, they really are, but that one's for me, that one, that one was really special, you know, talking about thinking about business from, um, either a long-term mentality or a short-term mentality and not getting caught up in the short term, because more often than not, it, 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 uh, produces failure, you know, thinking about the business as, as a long-term project, as a journey, um, in, in, in search of accomplishing your vision um, and your mission and your purpose. So really great book. Great. What, uh, what's something you think most people don't know about building a business? Um, actually, I think we just hit on it. Um, I think one of the more, uh, I think one of the fallacies is that you need to be ready. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if, if you're passionate about something and you believe you can improve somebody's life, you know, um, better than something that currently exists, uh, go do it. <laughs> yeah. Go do it. Um, put yourself out there. Um, yeah, I, I, to me, I, I think, you know, speaking from, um, experience, I think I, I just thought, okay, you know, all of these founders, you know, you're looking at businesses that have been ex- in existence for five to 10, 15, 20 years and thinking, oh yeah, I need to be like that when I start. No, just go do it. Right. Yeah. What are some of those things that you've learned or skills that you've learned since launching the company? I mean, I, I think a big thing for me uh, as a, a small team with a lot to do is really about time management. And I will never claim to be a perfectionist or perfect at time management, but it is truly one of those things that um, can either suck you in or make you really productive and, uh, uh, and allow you to continue to take next steps. So um, it's one of those things that we're always cognizant of and, and looking to improve is really managing your time properly. Um, whether it's, you know, when you should be responding to emails or when you should be working on your projects and working on building your team. Um, there truly is so much that you need to do as a founder, you get pulled in so many different directions. And so, um, being cognizant and aware of what you're trying to do and your goals and how you can best organize yourself. Um, it will really pay dividends. Definitely (laughs) agree with that. Um, what kind of qualities or characteristics do you think make up a strong entrepreneur? Mm. Um, I think the first word that comes to mind is grit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you know, like we talked about, it's a challenge. Um, it's so hard to, to nail that, that perfect up and to the right business model that you so gloriously read about. Um, so you just, you have to have grit, you know, when you get knocked down, you got to come back up. Um, and you got to learn from your mistakes. Um, and you just got to be ready to sacrifice, you know? Um, I think to me, that's my number one, you know, probably showing a little bit of that athlete mentality and giving that advice. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, that's there, there, as long as you can, I think what my dad said around survive long enough to thrive, that's really it's at the crux. It's so important, right? Um, if you have a good business proposition, if you're trying to improve people's lives, then there's a way for you to succeed. Um, and it's up to you. Um, if you're going to stick with it long enough to, to make it. That's very cool. 
We all make mistakes. It's obviously part of being human. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made? Or when did you feel the most defeated? And how did you get back on your feet? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, we can go deep with this one. Do it. Uh, I dare you. I'll tell you um, where the when I feel the most defeated. So college, um, freshman year. Um, on the lacrosse team. Now, Cornell, Division One, top five program, year in and year out. In my four years, we made it to the final four, three years, in, three years out of four, lost in the national championship one year to Syracuse in 2009. And my freshman year, I got cut from the team. And lacrosse was my, my life. I loved the people there. It was my family. Um, it's been in my family. You know, my dad played lacrosse there. And I took it personally. I took it like the biggest challenge uh, of my life. And um, I knew what I needed to improve from a weakness standpoint to make the team, to get back on. And um, I had gotten cut before winter break. And the next time I could try back was like February. And from December, January, February, um, it was full throttle everything lacrosse hitting the gym um sprints on the turf whatever the lacrosse you know i had asked my friends what they were doing for practice i would do double or triple um and it was this three-month period of my life where i pushed myself harder than i ever have and um it was all for the better made the team had the best four years of my life and um, i think it's something i definitely carry through in terms of a work ethic you know like i know that you know, you can be told no, or you can fail and then you can make it right. You know, if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> That's funny. I have a similar experience um, with something um, similar. It's kind of funny, but it just makes me think, did you have moments? Cause I certainly did when you know, you're about to be reevaluated. And your life like depends on this moment for you getting like for you, getting back on the team, you know, for me, it was basically, I had to lose an inch off my hips to be signed with the top modeling agency in the world in New York city. And so I went back to school running every single day, cutting calories. Like I went on, like, you know, it's like athlete. It's like being an athlete. I just, I, to be in the, prof, the pros of the modeling world, I had to get my shit together and get really, really fit. And I went back and I just trained the shit out of, you know, every day. Meanwhile, you know, all my friends are partying and having fun and I'm out running laps around right. the University of Delaware at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know? And it, but it was terrifying to have that second meeting to know that if I didn't achieve that, if I didn't get that down, then I would lose the biggest opportunity of my whole life to change everything, the whole trajectory. And for you is probably similar where you're like, I have to win. I have to make this happen. Did you have moments where you were just, I mean, I did where I just would like cry and be like, if I don't, what would what if they say no? And I'm busting my ass for nothing. Yeah. Um, in truth, I, I probably shed a tear after the coach was like, you know, you're back. Um, mm. you know, that was a huge moment for me when he was like, great work. You know, we'd love to have you back. Um, that was big, but through it all, it was more just like heads down. I know what I need to do. Um, and just committed, 
Right. Yeah. Just like you were running around laps while all your friends are partying bottle service, who knows what the heck they're doing. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. I don't know how much bottle service there was at the university of Delaware, but, uh, (laughs) Hey, I've heard otherwise. I've heard otherwise. (laughs) <laughs> New York City, definitely not so much in Delaware. Maybe. I don't, I just didn't know about it. But um that's awesome. Yeah. Good time. So do you have any final advice for aspiring entrepreneurs out there that are, you know, trying to maybe get in the game? And you've already shared a lot of insights and advice, but do you have anything else for not just aspiring entrepreneurs, but other founders listening or business operators? Um I think on like a semi-separate note, but the same, like just straight up advice, um, really knowing um, who your customer is at its core as you're building your brand, as you're defining what you stand for, you know, who do you want to speak to um, and really uh, building your business around a true product market fit, that phrase that everybody hears and they're like, yeah, I have that. And then you really can kind of see who truly has that. Um, it's not easy, but as you're building the business, if, if you are, you know, there's so much unknown and so many directions you can take the business in and, oh, that's a great idea. And you go talk to Joe and that's a great idea. And Sally, that's a great idea. Um, if you think around true product market fit, um, it'll help increase your chances for success. Did you ever have anyone say toothpaste? There's already so many of those that exist. Why are you going to do that? <laughs> oh, nobody said that to me. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Colgate Crest, who are those guys? <laughs> um, yeah, no, you'll always have those people for sure. <laughs> it's always nice to hear those people come out from the bushes and tell you that one. Right. It's like, go back in your bush. Yeah. Back to the bush, please. <laughs> so you've had insane, um, you know, organic growth. Uh, I think you're mentioning this year. Um, where can we find twice? Are you guys in stores or is it online only? Yeah, we're, uh, well, our website is smiletwice.com. That's the best place to get it. Um, we're also sold on Amazon and uh, we're in some select CBS stores around the country. Nice. Yeah. What's the vision? What's the plan? I know you're raising a seed round. What's next? Uh, The plan is to help to define oral wellness for the wellness generation. Are you reading that somewhere? It sounds like you're reading a piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) I just figured I'd say it slowly. So it sounded, you know, really significant. Um, Yeah, we're going to sounded impactful. I think it sounded good. (laughs) You, you, uh, more likely than not use a variety of products to take care of your smile. And so our vision is that we want to own that through a better for you platform, uh, of products that, um, are going to improve your oral health and get you excited about actually taking care of your smile. So, um, yeah, starting with toothpaste and we'll be adding some exciting new products along the way. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to check it out. And um, thanks so much for your time on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your awesome story. You got it. Anytime. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review, and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.